with Podcast Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. It never gets old. Really excited about the way this team played for the last two weeks. Since since the Big 12 tournament, this team has really elevated their game and has been pitching well. All three phases of our game have been outstanding. This season has been, um, it's been long. It's been wearing, um, especially living in the place that we're living and expectations and, you know, what if, how come, why aren't you, you know, and it's, Losing two games ain't too bad, but um, I've been really proud of this team and how they've handled a lot of the noise. Totally agree. They've um, it's tough when you've got expectations like they've had, um, and you know they've they've suffered some. Other, you've, you've got an injury now to to your ace who. What's the update on that, by the way? I've been very consistent with my prediction on this. Uh, she, I, I thought, you know, since the start of the postseason, she wouldn't throw in regionals, probably not in super regionals. I think they'd get her back for Oklahoma City. A week ago, she was she was throwing, doing some stuff, and it sounded like it was a really good day for her. Um, I think that I think she's going to pitch in the in the WCWS this week. I think she's going to be out there. When down. needed or no. already slated? I, I think that it's not going to be in a if-needed basis. I think they're going to throw her out there in one of these first two games. Hmm. Like it? Well, sure. It's absolutely. Been, I, you got to give him credit for this. You know, since she's been away – well, not away from the team, but off the field, it's been best-case scenario. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's directly tied to the absence of Jordy Ball or not, but since she's been out, this team has played its best softball. Maybe right. it created more urgency within the offense. Maybe it created more urgency with Hope Troutwine and Nicole May. I, I don't know. But going into the postseason, and it's funny because they've ripped off so many wins, so many shutouts, so many run rules. So it's like, what do you mean they're playing their best softball of the year? They've right. been killing everybody all year long. But it's like, yeah, but if you've really been watching this team, you just kind of felt it coming out of the Super Regional like, dang, this team is – they've been great all year, but they're really hitting their stride right now. Yeah, it, it almost – and I'm not saying this is what happened, but it just kind of gets the feeling that uh, – I don't know. I, I don't want it to sound bad on them, but – Maybe not challenged or a little bit bored. Maybe I I don't know, but they've definitely woken up and they're playing really good right Slides now. Out. What uh, had a no hitter on on night one? Just bats, home they runs, three all hits. over the place. They get three hits the whole series. Yeah, and UCF is a good softball team. Don't I'm I'm not listening to the crap of, and I don't think it's out there, but. Oh, UCF, they're a cute story, but they didn't really deserve to be there. No, UCF was really good. They earned that uh, national seed uh, by the schedule that they played in the regular season. They're legit. OU would would have done that to a lot of national seeds last weekend. UCF just happened to be the opponent. I adamantly believe that. And, um, man, you you also had just a, a great crowd on hand. 
that was really cool to watch. Text lines pointing it out, and I did notice it too. There was a there was a lady sitting behind home plate. I saw that. All gaso, no breaks. I saw that. I don't that know where good. I could buy one of those, but those are amazing. I need one. That was really good. Um, man, I I still feel like, and you told me last week that you disagree with this uh, this statement. But I, I still feel like the overall field is down. Well, I mean, the top seed. A lot of the top seeds are out. Um, yeah. What Virginia Tech was the highest ranked seed outside OU going into this weekend. They're out. I mean, okay, fine, sure. It doesn't change I'll, anything, but. Um, I mean, that is rat poison, by the way. If you is. just want to go ahead and spread the rat poison going into the the last tournament of the year, the most important part of the season. It okay. doesn't need to be a talking point. I just think it's, you know, my inexperienced softball eyes have picked up on it and got a bit of that feeling. And maybe it's just that the level of play from Oklahoma over the last couple of years is so high that I've got like a skewed perspective of of what is good out there, but I don't know. I I honestly feel like it's a collision course between the University of Oklahoma softball and Oklahoma State. I really do. I think so too. I think that's what the championship series is going to be. And mark it down. I think if those two teams play in the championship series, I respect Oklahoma State's softball program, and I think this year is probably the best team that they've had. They're really good. But they'll be standing on the tracks when the train's coming through. After um, wow. after what happened in the Big 12 championship game, yeah, buddy. Uh, OU coming back with some vengeance. I will be calling for a 2-0 series win if uh, that matchup does indeed take place. Okay. You go ahead and mark that one down right now, now please. This is... Strictly hypothetical, but if they were to win, state that is, would you issue an apology to Boynton about uh, the best coach in no, the country? No, no. I, no I'm not. <laughs> no. I uh, I might dig my heels in even deeper, right. as a matter of fact. Right. right? Just I'm out of pure you. anger and jealousy is what happened. Well, Don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Here's the thing. I won't be able to live in this state. You never know what can happen. Um, it's why you play the game. It's why uh, they're they're holding the tournament and they're going to continue to play it. You never know what may go down. But I think OU has better offense, better defense, and better pitching. And even though Oklahoma State has got great coaching, it's even better coaching. So I'm with you. I'd, I'd have the same exact prediction. Although – you know, and maybe it's to their detriment. I don't know. You feel like Oklahoma State would be carrying some confidence into that that series. Yeah, maybe I, false confidence. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I think that they still see the team over there, and they're like, yeah, we mm-hmm. know how much of a juggernaut they are. I it think could be they, pretty heated though. I, yeah, no, it will be. I think it, there would be a um, realization there, like, oh boy. Uh, this is uh, this is an OU team that's hitting on all cylinders. Yikes! And if they roll through this women's college world series and they win the national championship, and if they don't lose a game, I uh, I will be throwing it out there that I think that this is the best college softball team of all time. And without Jordy Ball, 
I'm going to feel more sure that like Teddy, they rolled through the regional and they rolled through the super regional without their ace. Right. You know how many teams, especially this year, could have done that? I mean, Florida State couldn't even make it out of a regional with their ace. With their ace. With with Sander Cobb. <laughs> Alabama with their ace didn't make it out of a Fouts. regional either. That's correct. Look at you. Yeah, Ga- uh, Washington you couldn't make it out of a regional, right? Yeah, I can't ever Gabby remember. Plain, yeah, come on. that's right. I, I can't. Might get, I, I always say the one. Washington girl. I can't ever remember her name. That's, that's as good as anything. Yeah, but I, I will be making the claim best softball team ever if they roll through and win a national championship. But hey, first, until next year's team. Yeah, well, that's true. First things first, though, they got to beat Northwestern, and according to the Northwestern Barstool Twitter Woo! account, OU has no chance at all of winning this game. The Cats. I, which, you know, I saw that, and it was, all right, that's cute, Northwestern softball. I know what you, you're trying to do here. You're trying to strum up some social media interaction, which you, which you did, but um, let's show some respect here, Northwestern. They're pretty salty, though, aren't they? Aren't they pretty good? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they made the Women's College World Series. They're really good. Yeah, I know they made it. I'm just saying, though, that— Of course they're salty. It's a good squad. Oklahoma softball will not be able to handle the Cats. Their soft Big 12 schedule did not prepare them for this. Highly doubt they will be able to put up a fight. As if the rugged Big 10 schedule got to Northwestern ready for this. Right. Well, they had a common opponent in Minnesota, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, um, don't know a whole lot about Northwestern other than I expect some type of run rule. You're calling a run rule on Thursday? Yeah. I'll go ahead and join you on that one. Yeah. Uh, they did throw out the box score from the 1997 OU Northwestern game. Northwestern won that one 24 nothing in Chicago. So they got us there. That is fair. Got you there. Fair game, man. Once it's played, it's fair to be brought up at any moment. Definitely fights in the stands. Is that what's going to – ooh, Bedlam softball? Fights in the stands at OKC? Sign me up. I would say – Probably not fights in the stands, but there's going to be some very angry, serious, loud chanting going on. I'm ready for it. <laughs> this is going to have some power uh, Numbers it. two, three, and six aren't an OKC. That's on the text line. There's three Big 12 teams left. Yeah, exactly. O- OU, OSU, and Texas are all in the Women's College World Series, but the, the Big yeah. 12 schedule did not prepare them for this. Is that – what was that? The that was the two, Northwestern Barstool account is who tweeted that no, out. No, no, the, the last text you read, numbers two – Two, three, and six, yeah. That's saying – They didn't make it to Oklahoma City, yeah. Oh, gotcha, okay, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, three Big 12 teams are in. What do you think about Texas? They, they got a legit ace in the circle – um, they've got a lineup that I don't think it's you know the best in the field, but it's good enough. I mean, they're I mean they're they're probably one of the more hotter teams right now coming into this thing. Right, you know, winning two series on the road like they did, especially that Arkansas team. Us, I, I mean, Arkansas is really good, and to lose game one on Friday and then win the next two. I mean, Texas is. They're, they're going to be tough. I guess so. You could face them in the second round, right? Texas got to face UCLA in game one on Thursday. If they beat UCLA, OU beats, Texas, or, uh, OU beats Northwestern, I think it would be OU Texas in the second round. Right. That's the sweetest outcome is you beat Texas at some point in this thing, and then you beat Oklahoma State. You get to avenge both of your losses in Oklahoma City. That's best-case scenario, right? Yep. No, I'm with you. Um. 
By the way, I uh, hung out with some OU fans this weekend. Really? And there was one guy in particular. He's a big OU fan. And, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. He's like, I don't know. I, I felt like OU's going 6-6 six and six after talking with him this week. He is scared to death about losing um, Jale- uh, uh, Jaden Hazelwood, Austin Stogner, and Caleb Williams. I mean, he made it sound to me like this offense is not going to be able to pick up a first down this year. Well, what's his theory, though? Hazelwood's a stud, Stogner made some plays, and Caleb Williams is a next-level talent. I I said, he asked, like, what do you think the record's going to be? I said, I, I mean, honestly, I think they'll probably go 11-1. and one. And it's like, I, <laughs> you would not imagine, you would not believe the, the face that this guy made when I said 11-1. and one. Shocked. Huh. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that, especially, and you know I love Stogner, but especially whenever his main points are Hazelwood and Stogner are gone. I, they, they accounted for 586 yards last year. I, I was about to say, did you bring in more production in the transfer portal that, than was lost by those two guys leaving? Maybe, not, but it's really close. Yeah. Of the of the thirty five hundred yards passing we had last year, they accounted for five eighty six of it. Now, Hazelwood did have six touchdowns, led with six touchdowns, and uh did Stogner have a touchdown last year? He had three. So there was some some touchdown production between those guys, but uh, I don't know. If you're gonna have if you're gonna convince me of OU not being any good next year, you're going to have to do better than Stogner and Hazelwood. Well, I, I I just won't really listen to an argument where it's about the skill players as to why they're not going to be good next year. That's I, right. The skill players will be just fine. If OU is not good or doesn't live up to expectations, it's because of two things. They cannot get to the quarterback, and they cannot protect their own quarterback. Right. I Look, whatever the expectations are this season – College football playoff, I think. I, I like they have skill position players good enough to be a college football playoff team next year. Yeah, I have no doubt about that. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Now, if you want to say you're worried about the offensive line and the defensive line, totally legitimate. Totally legitimate. Um, you're worried about Dylan Gabriel playmaking ability at quarterback. Legitimate. Disagree with it, but legitimate. You can't you cannot sell me on uh like I don't know. I like Hazelwood. I do. I think he had a ton of potential, but it's a guy that we're talking about. He played played three years at OU and had We're still waiting for it. We still would be waiting on it this year. We'd say, well, if he's ever gonna live up to the it's good this year gotta be the year. And I'm not sure where he would have really even factored in that I he's not in front of Mims or Farouk. I think right. we'd be talking about Hazelwood as I think the 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 story on him would be got a chance to have a nice year, but it feels like third option at best in this offense. Right. Yeah. Um you're talking about a guy that in in three years amassed 62 catches, 
736 yards and nine touchdowns. And all of that is about what you'll get from like Mims next year. You know, I it's and I think I, I honestly I think Hazelwood will probably have a huge year at Arkansas. I think he'll do I think he'll do great yeah, they, there. They need a new number one receiver after Traylon Burks is gone. Maybe he'll be their one or two guy. Sure. No impact on on OU whatsoever, in my opinion. Could be wrong on that. There maybe there's a scenario where at some point in the season next year we're saying Daggummit, if we just had Hazelwood. <laughs> I don't think that situation's going to happen. I think you can rest easy on that one. And, and I don't I don't think it will be he'll be too much of a talking point next year. And I don't mean that and I don't that's not I don't mean that as a disrespectful thing to Hazelwood. I would say that about pretty much any wide receiver outside of like gosh, I I don't even maybe maybe no one maybe there's not a, a receiver that I, I think would be Mims saying that would about. hurt. Um, he's probably the guy that you're looking for in that. But if Jaleel Farouk, you know, I mean, if he's going to be the dude that we think he is, like he, they, they'd still even be okay with that. Right? They, they wouldn't be as good. There's no doubt. But they they'd still have a legit number one guy most likely. Right. Hazelwood and Mario Williams last year between the two of them. Barely combined for more yards than Mims on his own. Barely. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm not buying it. You're right. It's not a skill position thing. It's a line of scrimmage thing. And I think, and we think, because of a lot of the changes that they've made, we're going to be way more physical, way better on the line of scrimmage, game in, game out. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. At Landers, we're all about you. The smile makers, the trailblazers, people doing what they do best, making things happen for those that need it most. The kind of people that are true game changers. And we're all about giving you the exact vehicle you're looking for. If you don't see exactly what you want, we'll find it. Pre-order online or right from our store today during the Ram Make the Switch event. Landers Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Norman is driven to serve. Beats and Bites is back this summer at Riverwind. Rock out to Everclear June 18th with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. Plus, all your favorite food trucks. Only at the one. Wake up with Toby Rowland. Not much to talk about. We'll figure out a way to cobble our way through three hours. And TJ Perry. What a bomb. (laughs) What a complete bomb. The T-Row in the morning show. It's what a sports show sounds like when people remember to have fun. And I find myself a love's travel stop. And I go inside to use the restroom. In my weariness, I forget to put the hat back on my head. So I walk inside, unshowered hat hair, salsa on the front of my shirt. And you can probably guess what happens next. Someone recognizes Somebody recognizes 
you know, hey, how you doing, Boomer Sooner, buddy? You know, hey, can I take a picture with you? Yeah, sure. And I go into the bathroom and use the restroom, and I go to wash my hands afterwards, and I look in the mirror, and I said, oh, my God, I've just taken my Gary Busey picture. T-Row and TJ on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network. Hey guys, TJ here for my friends over at Joe's Wines and Spirits. And now that we're in May, it's time for graduation parties, trips to the lakes, and swimming in the backyard. And when you need a great selection on your favorite beer, wine, or liquor, do what I do and go see Kathy and her staff. They have tons of specials and great advice when you're looking to try something new. Joe's is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. and noon to 5 on Sunday at 1330 East Alameda right here in Norman or visit Joe's Wines on Facebook for all their monthly specials. Caring for an aged loved one can be challenging. Let us help your family. At Arbor House Assisted Living and Memory Care in Norman, we offer a safe and loving environment with a full-time licensed nurse, medication assistance, emergency call system, along with housekeeping and laundry services. Come tour our beautiful community Call 405-292-9200 or visit us online at arborhouseliving.com. We want to help your family so you can be part of ours. No matter where you live, you care about one thing during bad weather, keeping your family safe. Scissortail Roofing and Construction is here to ensure just that. Whether it's damage from strong winds or the recent hailstorm, we will handle your insurance claim from start to finish. Call us today at 405-928-8089 or visit us online at scissortailroofing.com for a free estimate. Hit by hail? Call Scissortail today, your local Norman family-owned roofing company. NextGen. Experience the next generation of personal training at Norman's NextGen Fitness. This is Miles, one of the trainers at NextGen. Our unique design at NextGen Fitness includes private and group personal training along with personalized programs that our elite trainers can provide for you. Call 405-360-0001 or stop by and let myself or our team of elite trainers train you. NextGen Fitness. We've been social distancing for years. Norman, Edmond, Tulsa. It is the rush live on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman inside the Brown O'Haver studio. SEC meetings going on right now in Destin at the same hotel I got married at last year. How about that? How uh, big of an SEC huh. move was that for me? Wow. Yeah. Is Nick uh, Saban may be sleeping in our same room that we had. No, I was going to ask if uh, Bilbo Baggins is the or Smokey Bilbo. Uh, his last name was Bilbo. Or Smokey. Fr- it was Smokey Bilbo. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's right. Smokey Bilbo, is he the photo guy taking the picture? He was, no, what was he going to be in the wedding? He was the guy through the hotel that... Flowers? No, his wife did the flowers. I think he did the pictures. I don't you think... Ca- you can... I think he was going to marry us. Well, you can book He's him to marry, marry, but he could also do photography he was well. a true triple threat that's he could right. do anything that's right. there was a death in the bilbo family that week and he uh, couldn't show up stony bilbo is what it was stony stony bilbo, smoky which stony is way cooler than smoky i but agree leave it to destin florida to where a guy <laughs> can marry you by the name of stony bilbo amazing 
Nick Saban on nine SEC league games today at the SEC meetings. Quote, I've always been for playing more conference games, eliminating some of these games that fans, players, supporters are not really interested in. What is the best model? That's the issue. Are other conferences going to play more conference games? End quote. So Nick Saban wants nine conference games. <laughs> Guess what? I'm sure the SEC here shortly is going to move to nine conference games. Well, here's the... Here's what the deciding factor is going to be. Eight conference games, good for television. Nine conference games, great for television and great for revenue. And when faced with eight conference games or nine conference games, and I don't know what the difference in payouts going to be, but it's going to be more, guess what everyone's ultimately probably going to settle on? Yeah, of course. More conference games. Yeah, um, but if they don't, at least immediately when OU's in the conference, because OU plays nine conference games every single year. Nine conference games, three non-conference games. And they have a lot of their non-conference schedule you know, planned out for the future. But if you're only playing eight league games when you roll into the SEC, OU's going to have to pick up some opponents in the very near future. Now, I- I'm sure that they're going to be able to do that, but... Does that mean it's going to be a very – like the extra opponent that you get, are we going to be talking about a team that, you know, is not that desirable on the schedule? I'm probably going to well, guess so with the SEC move. I think it depends. I would hope that if they move to the nine-game conference schedule or whatever it is to where they've got to pick up some more opponents – I would hope that they don't just go ahead and book them all the way out to 2053 and you just take a slow approach and see because some of those games, like if if we've got an extended playoff or you've got an SEC-only playoff where like your record isn't going to be nearly as big of a factor, yeah. you, you'd rather schedule some really good games yeah. if you could. But – that's why I say, you know, kind of slow roll it if you can and 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 see the best way. No reason to commit yourself all these years down the road if you don't necessarily need to. Like, if that um, article is true that we read earlier, I don't think either of us think that it is, is that the widespread belief is that OU's going to be in the SEC in 2023. Okay, I, I don't necessarily agree with that, neither do you. But if that's true, well, then you have that Georgia game next year as a non-conference game. Yeah. Going to guess maybe you just fold that into an SEC game, whatever. But if, if OU goes into the SEC next year with only eight league games, you got to find two more uh, non-conference opponents. Because you got Arkansas State and at Tulsa next year, OU would have to find a way to put two other teams on the schedule for, for non-con games. And I don't know how easy or how difficult that is in a short time frame, but... Well, it's easy. Um, you know, it's easy. I feel like we're, and, I, and I'm not saying this is a Joe C thing, but I think it's like a just a college football in general thing. It's easy, but we're kind of sold that it's difficult, or you have to do it years and years and years in advance. And I, you know, I don't. I don't think that's the case, but you know, what do I know? I've never tried to schedule a game. I mean, I think 
you know, the bigger the school, the harder it is to schedule because, you know, they, they don't want to take a loss and they want home and home and, and stuff like that. But as far as like scheduling non-Power 5 opponents, you can schedule anyone you want if you're willing to pay the well, right amount there, of money there's an it. obvious school that they could have as a non-con opponent every single if, – if it's an eight-game league schedule and you have four non-conference games every single year – State? Yeah. I mean, it's probably be all about if they want to keep playing it or not, though, right? right. I mean, you oh, you would definitely have room on their schedule to play it every single year. Hey, dude, if you go to a 12-team playoff, you'd have room to play Oklahoma State every single year and another marquee non-conference opponent if you wanted to. Right. And I think they should. I I think I think if if they play 9 conference games, I still would like them to play state. But that's just me. I know a lot of Sooner fans would think it would be the ultimate snub to little brother to say, "No, we're not going to play it anymore." But at that point, aren't we just kind of turning into A&M in Texas? Karen's, yeah, yeah. Well, I, here's the deal. I don't, it, I don't really get the feel that OSU, like you say that about OU turning into Texas and Texas A and M, but it feels like OSU is much further along than that. Well, we just won't play. How about that? We just won't play it. <laughs> We're just not going to do it. We just won't play. And it feels like that's their attitude right now, especially from their university president. Right. Well, I don't know where it's all going to go. I honestly don't. It. There's so much up in the air right now. We don't even know we don't know what conference we're going to play football in next year. It's weird. This uncertainty is and crazy. And we probably won't know what conference we're playing football in next year until like March whenever the SEC schedule comes out. Maybe we'll hear something leading up to it, but when that schedule comes out, it's like, okay, well, maybe next year. We'll see you in 24. I'm going to guess OU and Texas weren't thrilled about the way that the SEC uh, membership leaked out, you know? So I'm going to guess this time around, Teddy, we're not going to hear any – I mean, maybe we will. I mean, that is how media works these days. But I got a feeling it's going to be a little bit tougher to get that information this time around. Yeah. I, I like this quote that I just saw um, attributed to Lane Kiffin at the SEC – situation um in, in talking about the the transfer they were talking about the uh, intra-conference transfer deadline and stuff like that and he said kiffin said someone kind of joked they're not going to put their spring game on tv because they're going to be showcasing their players uh for everyone else to poach which is you know funny but true uh to a certain degree hey i heard the kid over there at arkansas had a big spring game that's Wonder if he's uh, thinking about getting in the transfer portal. You just you never know what's going on, man. It's wild. Back to our uh, Hazelwood discussion. Some people have some thoughts. This one says not to dog Hazelwood, but he dropped a lot of balls that hit him in the hands over the past three years. Not saying he isn't a stud, but I don't think we're going to be worse without him. I was really disappointed with his season last year. Yeah, I I think I think Hazelwood has. I think he's got a, a lot of good tools. I'll tell you the, the same thing I said from him all along. And, you know, part of it, I'm not sure if it's an injury thing or not, but this was my my issue. I think he was slow and not explosive. Sure. And maybe that was an injury thing, and there's 
you know, some guys, you could be recovered from injury 100% physically, but mentally not recovered. And you're probably saying, well, what does that mean? It's like eye roll worthy. If you don't trust that your injury is fully recovered and and able to to withstand all of your full explosiveness and change of direction and and all that and you're still thinking about it, then it's gonna affect the way you play. And it probably had to do with his drops because he's worried about his knee cutting and coming out of breaks. So I think that was his biggest detriment. And maybe after enough time, change of venue, maybe he's gonna put that behind him. While Hazelwood is a nice talent, I never saw any real development from him during his time. No telling how certain guys would have developed under a better strength and conditioning program and not that Pilates CrossFit BS. Yeah. If given the choice, I if you said, okay, you get to keep Hazelwood or you get to keep Theo Wees, and I'm just only I'm only seeing Wees because he was in that, you know, class and he is in a very very similar situation, right? Five star, but you're waiting for him to, you know, really show something in his career. Right. I think I would have taken Theo Weiss. Um We're still waiting on it with him, but I think even he's shown more than Hazelwood has at this point. Yeah. And I, I definitely think that there is a role for Theo Weiss on this team for his talents, especially as a third medium guy. Um, Hazelwood, I, I, I don't know exactly what that role would have would have been with this current wide receiver core. I think it probably would have been similar, but I don't know. I Again, I don't want to turn this into a a Hazelwood slander period. I I just think that it's probably going to be one of those situations where he's better off for leaving, and maybe OU is going to be better off with some new blood working into some of those roles in some of those those spots. So, yeah, I I I like our wide receiver core. Not worried about it at all. No, it's it's the position I'm least worried about. And then the running back is right after that. I would be shocked if we're having a conversation at some point during the season and saying that we were under-talented at wide receiver. I just I just cannot. It's going to be a pretty bad situation, that's the conversation, because it won't be the only position group that we're saying that about. And, and we, we were, frankly – we were saying that about the wide receivers last year when Hazelwood was out there, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of that was probably unfair and went back to quarterback play and also offensive line play. But I, the focus needs to be winning the offensive, winning the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And I think that there's a chance that we could have a, a solid offensive line next year. And a, a, re- a return to a really good running game, and if that happens, it doesn't. It won't matter who they put at wide yeah, receiver. Yeah, um, for an offensive line that's looking to be better this year, there's actually a, a decent amount of experience that they're going to have on the five, at least the five that we think that they're going to have. Right. Now, not all of those, not all of that experience is, you know, coming in an OU uniform, but it feels like all five of those guys across the line have played, you know, at least a decent amount of college football. So it's not like. You're going to have three dudes out there rolling out there that's never played, you know, never started a, a college football game before. That's not going to be the case with them next year. Right. So you got experience at least. Yep. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. A couple of segments left. Keep the text line going 651 3439.
brought to you by Pacifico. Pacifico, let it remind you to live life. Anchors up. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman on this Tuesday in studio, Brown O'Haver studio. I guess Lane Kiffin all but confirmed the rumors about 10 minutes ago. Uh, pods have been eliminated from the discussion for future SEC scheduling. Once OU and Texas roll into the league, uh, Lane Kiffin confirmed that the SEC has narrowed its scheduling models to eight-game and nine-game formats. He declined to reveal more than that. So basically, you got two things to expect. Either the 1-8 model or the 3-6 model is what they're looking at now. And clearly, that's going to determine... Uh, based solely on how many conference games they play moving forward once OU and Texas are in the league. Right. Um. I prefer the 1-7. I, I mean, I don't, I'm with you. I don't know why it couldn't be 1-8 if you wanted to do it that way. But play OU Texas every single year, protect it. But there's not anybody else in the conference that I feel so strongly about to where I have to say, yes, you've got to protect this rivalry every single year. Don't care about OU Missouri. OU Arkansas would be fun. I don't think you necessarily need to play OU Arkansas every single year. Uh, OU A&M will be fun. I don't think you need to play it every year. I, I just like the idea of rolling in as many SEC teams as possible and not locking yourself into one opponent outside Texas every year. Well, I just I think it's fascinating. And, you know, everyone is going to tell me that I don't understand it and I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm wrong, but I know the SEC's history in schedule making. And I don't understand why they're against pods. Pods are, are out, but they're okay with three locked-in opponents. What's the difference? The difference is, in pods, you would have three locked-in opponents, right? Yeah. Because you'd have 14 pods. Right. And then you would have a... Um, you would have a, a... Like a guaranteed way of how scheduling is going to unfold and like who your crossover games are with to where... You see every team in in the four-year cycle. That's why they don't want that. It's because they want to be able to manipulate scheduling. Of course. Yeah, and they'll tell you that it's because they want to manipulate it to get as many teams in the playoff as possible, but (laughs) they they want to manipulate it for the teams that carry the weight of the conference. That's right. I I mean, Alabama. That's that's what they want to do. That's exactly right. And that's, I mean, whatever. I mean. That's that's my problem with it. I just don't know in the 3-6 model, are you going to play an SEC championship game? How can you accurately put in the two best teams every single year with a model like that? I mean, some years it's going to break down where there's an obvious two, but there's going to be some years, man, where it looks like four legitimate teams are playing for two spots in an SEC championship game, and it's all going to be based on the eye test like everything else, you know? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I Here's the real thing. I wouldn't care if it was a 1-7 or a 3-6 or pods or divisions or whatever. I wouldn't care – if I was oblivious to the fact that the SEC, I, there's a bias in the way that they schedule football games. 
Like, if I was oblivious to that, then, you know, I would, I, I just, I flat out wouldn't care. And, you know, frankly, maybe I don't care anyways. I would like to play nine conference games, so I would like it to be 1-8 instead of 1-7, but that just tells you the bargaining chip right there. It's like, well, we want to play nine conference games, but in order to play nine conference games, we want it to be a three and six model. Of course. Not the one, not, not one seven. If you're going to do one seven where you're going to switch up seven opponents every year and we could have a really tough schedule, well, then we're only going to play eight. Yeah. So it tells you everything you need to know right there. And based on that, I think that if we sat down, I mean, we could probably do it here. We could get really, really close, if not get exactly dead on balls accurate, what the 3-6 model would look like for each team. Alabama's would be Auburn, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. I I am convinced that that would be the three. Well, and the other thing is, like they say three permanent opponents. I want to know what permanent means. Does that mean in 10 years we'll consider changing it? Yes, yes. Because they're not saying that, but you know as well as I do that if they're going to manipulate it from the beginning, well, if it you know goes to a certain path that they don't want, they'll they'll, they'll switch it up. Right. It's like we're going to link up the best teams with you know three teams that they can dominate and pound into submission. So basically, what you've got is you'll have it really is it's pods. You'll have four pods and put your four best teams in those in those divisions or, or whatever whatever you want to call them those guaranteed games, and hopefully the cream rises to the top and those four best teams dominate those other guaranteed games. And I don't know. I just I I'm probably making more of a big deal of it than it should be. I just know that the schedule's going to be tilted in favor no, of some No, it is, teams. And, and I will give them this. 16-team conference, because think of what we want. We'd like a balanced conference schedule, as balanced as you, as you could. But we also want to have a conference where we're not locked into playing you know, certain teams every right. single year, and we want to see all these SEs. That's really hard to come up with a schedule model with 16 teams that kind of you know, fill the demands that we want. Now, this is not perfect by any stretch, the 3-6, but it's, it's, not as, it's not that easy with a 12-game schedule to have, you know, roll in as many SEC opponents as you can. Right. Well, so there's a couple of questions on the text line. Explain how the three six model is different than the pods. Isn't OU plus three other teams a pod? Yes, but like our three guaranteed games. Let's say our three guaranteed games are A and M, Texas, and Missouri. Well, Missouri's three guaranteed games may be different than what Oklahoma's are. Missouri's may be Oklahoma, Arkansas, and LSU. So. It's not your three guaranteed games doesn't mean that all of those teams play all of your same guaranteed games. Am I explaining that clearly? Yes. So that's kind of the difference between the pod. The pod is you guys are linked only to play each other in those guaranteed games. This is not the case. Everyone's will look different. So, like, yes. So let's just say OU's would be Texas, A&M, and Missouri. But Missouri's could be OU, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Right. And Texas's could be 
OU, LSU, and don't Ole say, Miss. Don't, okay, whatever. I was going to say, don't say A&M because that's yeah. not going to happen. What, whatever they may be. So everyone's would be different. Text line, Sooners and Horn should have stayed in the Big 12. 12 plus 2 conference. Yeah, I'm good with the SEC move still. Same. Same. OU Vandy superior rivalry should be a similar record to Oklahoma State. <laughs> the morning show mentioned that Josie said the pod system would be based on tiers and not on geography, meaning hard team, middle team, and easy team, regardless of geography. Now hang on. That see, we're mixing all of this up. That is not the pod system. That is the three six model where your three guaranteed games would be not geography, but they would be taken from those three different tiers. That's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's confusing with the pod, like the pods thing is out. You got to forget about it. So, all right, quick timeout more from the rush coming up. We got the final segment next. Stay tuned.